0: i hope you'll forgive me if i'm not uh, the pastor that's waiting to meet you afterwards Um, but while i'm very excited to share with you god's word this morning i am not excited to share with you whatever it is that i'm coming down with (laughs) it's not covid i i've been there and i've done that Um, but there is what i guess people call the crud going around And that is going through my family right now. So um, I will not share that with you, but I do want to share with you today um, God's word from Hebrews chapter 10. So if you'll turn there, we are continuing um, what I call the garden passages, the lettuce passages um, from Hebrews chapter 10, the commands that first... uh, Pastor Jim let us in, draw near, let us draw near. And then Pastor Stephen uh, followed up with that, with let us hold fast. And now today, we're going to be looking at the third lettuce passage there. But before we get to that point, I'd like for us to pause and think about who this was being written to. Uh, let's remind ourselves Of Hebrews this book we know that it was written by an anonymous author we don't know for sure who it is some people think it's Paul some people think it's someone else but the point is that Jesus through the Holy Spirit has given us this word for us today so ultimately the author is Jesus is God is the Holy Spirit And so as we come to this word today, this is not the words of a human author ultimately. It is the word of God. And as we consider that, that means that we are being called to obey it. So let us open in prayer that God would lead us in obedience to his word. Father, we come before you thankful for your word thankful that it is true, thankful that it is living, that it opens us and lays us bare so that we can see our need for you. Father, that is my prayer from your word today, is that we would see our need for you and that you would truly change your church because ...of what your word has to share for us today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus... ...who is worthy to be praised. Who is greater than all. In his name we pray. Amen. How do we know this was written to Hebrews? It doesn't come out and say... ...that to the Hebrews scattered abroad... ...or the Hebrews in Jerusalem... It jumps right in into the first verse, and it says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So we know it was written to someone, a group of people, who had fathers that the prophets came and spoke to. So there's only one group of people that I know of that the prophets were speaking to their fathers, and that was the Jews, the Hebrews. And then as we go into the book, there's all kinds of arguments around very Jewish things. The temple, for instance, Moses, all of these things, The writer of Hebrews is coming to and and pointing to. So we know that these were Hebrews, these were Jews that it was being written to at this time. Where were they? Well, it could be they were in Jerusalem. It could be that this was a letter that was going around. We know that it had to have been written sometime before A.D. 70, because at the time at AD 70, the temple was destroyed. And because of the allusions to the temple in the book of Hebrews, and there's no mention of it being destroyed. As a matter of fact, it's being held up as an example, as an illustration. We're pretty certain this happened during the time probably between AD 60 and AD 70. During that time also, that was the time of the Roman emperor Nero. So we know that there was lots of persecution going on in Rome and the Jews there, the Christians, would be persecuted in that, in that place in Rome. At the same time, there was persecution going on at home, not only from Romans who were, what is this weird Jewish sect? You know, how are we going to deal with these people? At the same time, the Christians were having to deal with the Jews. Those who are saying, no, you are this weird sect and you need to come back. So there's lots of persecution coming down, especially on the Jewish believers. And this book is being written to them to let them know, hey, hold fast. Draw near to Christ. Draw near to the answer. Draw near to the one who is greater than all the things that your Jewish brethren are trying to draw you back to. Don't leave the work. Don't leave the church to go back to Judaism. Understand that Jesus is the one. God, in these last days, has spoken to us by his Son. And with that, the author just jumps right in to Hebrews and he expounds the Son, Jesus. What I want us to see this morning as we consider is because we are a house built by Christ, we must fervently build one another up. We must build up one another. Why? What is the motivation? What are we called? How do we do that? That's what we want to look at this morning. Consider the builder. Consider Jesus. We start here in chapter 1 with the author saying that Jesus is the one that God is speaking to us through today. And then we go to Hebrews chapter 3, which was read this morning. And it's a beautiful passage. I want to read it again for us. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So, with that in mind, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and let's read our verse, our passage for today, and then we will begin today's sermon. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest. but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Because we are a house built by Christ, we must fervently build up one another. Consider Jesus. Jesus is greater. That's basically what the author of Hebrews is saying. Through, all through the first half of the book, through chapter 9, Uh, He's saying Jesus is greater than the angels. Angels are pretty incredible beings. A lot of people today like to focus on angels. And sometimes more credit is being given to your guardian angel um, than to Christ himself. But Jesus is greater than the angels. I mentioned that this was written to Hebrews. Who is a favorite of the Hebrews? It would be Moses, the one who gave the law. And actually in this book, the author is using Moses as a representation of the law. And what does he say? That Jesus is more worthy than Moses. Jesus is greater than all these things. So the Hebrews, they're under persecution, perhaps even their family members. Their community coming around them trying to say, what are you doing going off in that, that heretical sect? Come back. We're going to disown you as being part of our family. The writer is saying to them, God is saying to them, Jesus is greater. And today, we face those same things, don't we? We face people seeking to draw us away from. Why are you going to that church? Sunday, it's a great day to be out doing other things. Uh, it's, you're working so hard. Take a break. Don't be going to that church on Sunday. Wow, those people have weird beliefs. Are you in some type of cult? What are, what are you doing in there? And there is some shame that comes upon us. As we live in this world, Satan, the world, our own selves are constantly trying to tell us that there is something greater than Jesus, but there is nothing greater than Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste of Jesus and you understand who he is, you believe and you know that he is greater. We are called. Jesus has been counted more worthy of glory than Moses. More worthy of glory than the temple. More worthy of glory than anything in this world has to offer. But then we see something else about Jesus that we need to consider. That Jesus is the Builder. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hell. So the second thing I want us to see this morning as we consider that Jesus is greater and we consider that Jesus has Changed everything. The temple is no more. He has created a new temple. He has created his house. He has created us. And that brings us here to chapter 10 and verse 24. There are different ways of interpreting this verse. Um, It's caused some disagreement. Disagreement on how this word should be, this verse should be translated. But as I've been studying it, I realize that both work out perfectly. So let's take a look at one translation that we would know, which is the one that most of you probably have in front of you, the English Standard Version. And it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So when we look at this, what does it appear to be saying? It appears to be saying, let us consider how to stir up. Okay. Now, if you have your King James, or if you have one of those nifty apps like I have, where you can jump over to another translation, go up to another translation that probably many of us grew up on, and that's the King James Version. And there we read, And let us consider one another to provoke unto good unto love, and to good works. So here it seems to indicate that we are to consider one another. In the ESV we read, consider how to stir up. Well, when you look at the original language, you see that we don't have all the, the, all the words that we have here aren't there. There are these words that are put together. And because of their relationship, even in the order that they are, You have to stop and think, well, which word does this word go with? And so people make distinctions on the context of what is that word going to be associated with. So as we consider this and we consider this first verse of chapter chapter 10, verse 24, the context is telling us that it's about the church. It's telling us that it is about one another so we are certainly to consider one another in this passage it is the focus of the house you are the temple chapter 9 chapter just before this is talking about the temple and let's think about the temple the temple was built to point to jesus And it's pretty amazing if you do a study on the temple itself or you begin looking at the utensils. You begin looking at the basins. You begin looking at the veil. You look at all the things within the temple and you begin to realize that it is a picture pointing to Jesus. The temple was looking to Jesus. Moses, we read in chapter 3, was the perfect example of pointing to Jesus. The law, the temple, all of that was pointing to that which was greater, that being a who, Jesus. When Jesus came, he took away the need for all of those things because what they pointed to was now with us, Emmanuel. We have direct access to what the temple was pointing to. But Jesus left. He went back to sit at the right hand of God, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us. But he left something behind. He left another temple. He left us do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. You are the house. You are the temple. And just as the temple physically and all the accoutrements within it pointed to Jesus, this house... Subar Road Baptist Church, and all the utensils and accoutrements within it. All the people who make up that temple, that house of God, you have a job as well. And that job is to point to Jesus. Just as the physical temple pointed to Jesus, the house of God, his temple This body is to be pointing to Jesus. So we need to realize our role. You are the house, the temple of God. Together, we do the work of the temple. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken to be spoken later. Hebrews 3, 5. We testify to the things that have to been done through Christ. This is lived out in this community, the church. Jesus tells us, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Our lives are temple instruments in the hands of our high priest, Jesus. How do we do that? How are we instruments in the hands of Jesus? Well, we go to our next point. Consider the purpose. We had talked about, consider the people. Consider that you are the church. You are the house of God. But then we are to consider the purpose. And the purpose goes back to that verse where we said consider one another. And now let's look at it this way. Consider how to stir up. We do not exist in this world for God to help us make our way through life. We exist to show to the world that God has given us life. He has given us eternal life and life more abundant. Our church here is not a resort. It's not a spa where we come to get patched up and get ready to heal our wounds and to make ourselves feel better. This church is an outpost. We are representing the king in a world that needs him. We are to show to the world Jesus, it is our calling, it is our job. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we are called not to attend church. We are called to attend to the church. It is not enough simply to be here. There's something more that you are called to. You are commanded to do. Stir up. This word, stir up, is a very interesting word. It's used twice in the New Testament. And when you begin looking at it, it's kind of, why is he using that word here? Because it has the understanding of incite. It also has the word, the understanding of irritate. It's carrying this idea of something. It's negative. As a matter of fact, the only other place it's used in the New Testament is the time when Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. It's the same word that is used about this fight, this argument that Barnabas and Paul had. That's the word that is used here. So, you like, why couldn't he have used something a little more positive? You know, we're supposed to be helping each other, building each other up. But why is he using this word, stir up? Well, I think as we look at the word, we can draw something from it to help us understand the atmosphere surrounding this command. It's easy for us to say things like provoke one another. Well, what does that mean? You know, provoke. I think that's probably closer because, you know, you provoke something. You have brothers and sisters when you're growing up. You probably provoked them, didn't you? So you were causing them, I'm not comfortable. And I think that's why I like the idea of it using the word irritate. It's not that you want to be irritating. (laughs) But it does mean you want to be the pebble in the shoe of your brother and sister. You want to be that thing you just can't get rid of. Uh, We were looking at the retention pond, and I went back there, and there are those little triangular things. I don't know what they're called, but they're little seeds, and that's how they get around. So they want to go somewhere else, they grab hold of my pants, and they go somewhere else and drop off at some point. But I don't know how they drop off because you're just trying to get those things off. They just won't let go. That's what we are called to do when we are called to stir up one another. We are called to not let go of one another. And that's why you can't just come to church. You are not fulfilling the command by just showing up. Showing up is the first step. Do the work of Christ to love and good works so we're stirring up and we think of that you know I would say uh, go on social media and you see someone and says um, everyone should be wearing masks okay now I probably just incited <laughs> some response in you because I said that or I could say no one should be vaccinated I probably cause some type of response in you because that's what everything's happening right now. And there's, a, there's an emotion that's coming up in you as you hear these different things. That is what should be happening in our hearts as we are considering one another to grow one another in love and good works. The emotion is one of passion, the emotion is one that is almost as though ah i can't let go of this it's something that's just in my crawl it's it's inciting me to do something we are to be considering one another to consider how to incite to love and good works. And that's where the word turns from a negative to a positive. It isn't that we're to be irritable just so everyone will be mad. It's saying you need to get in someone's shoe, calling them to love. It's also an interesting thing. I'm not dividing these two, love and good works. Uh, It's almost like a hyphenated word. (laughs) It's, You are to love one another in a way that leads to good works. You cannot separate the two. You can't come to church and say, well, I'll do the loving and you do the good works. That's not the way it works. You must love and that love draws you and brings you to show good works. And the context is showing us that these good works, this love, is to be internal. It's to be to one another. Love, agape, the word that's used here, has the concept of a love feast. So as you come together in this love, it's a love that can't be done alone. (laughs) It's a love that demands that there's someone to be the object of the love. And I love that picture as a church of a love feast. Coming together, loving one another, feasting on that love that we are sharing. We are to be inciting each other to that kind of love. We read on that to do the work together, we must meet together. We must encourage one another. You can't help people if you don't know them. And you can't know people unless you spend time with them. And I'm not coming, and this isn't a message this morning saying, be in church every time the doors are open. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That isn't the point. Because you could be sitting out there this morning, assembled together, but you have not assembled to stir up. You have not assembled to stir up to love and good works. It's not that you come together. It's why Did you come together? So what does it look like? What does it look like to be this church where we're coming together and we are stirring each other up to love and to good works? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we realize that we must come together. As I said before, you can't help someone unless you know them. One of the steps to carrying out this command to stir up is to consider one another. Find out what the other person needs. Do we come to church looking for what someone else can do for me? When we see a brother and sister out away from this gathering out in Greenville or Greer, When we see them, do we think about what that person can do for me? Or are we thinking, are we considering them? And the word is paying attention to. Are you paying attention to the person sitting down the row from you? Or are you, well, I'm here. I'm checking the box of attendance And I'm going to leave and go do something else afterwards. And that's what my focus is on today, is what can I do once I get out of here? You may be here, but you are not assembling together. You are not carrying out this command of not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Because right along with that comes this command that we are to be encouraging one another, And this word encouraging is, is like an invitation. It's beseeching. It's seeking each other out. It's once you know that someone has a need, you are reaching out to them to meet it. So how is this lived out practically? Find a person. Find a need. And seek to meet it. Be a pebble in their shoe with love. A love pebble. (laughs) Find someone in this body and reach out to them. Go beyond just the simple, I'm praying for you. Though that is the greatest way to begin, is praying for one another. But that prayer should be leading you to be the answer Those who are gathering together, considering paying attention to each other, are going to find out that, hey, that person shares a common problem that I have. And we can lift each other up. And we can point to Jesus and how that Jesus is greater than this thing that I'm facing. We hear this often if someone is leaving the church leaving this body, very often one of the things we hear is, well, I just wasn't able to connect with someone. What are you trying to connect around? Are you connecting around that which is greater, Jesus? Or are you trying to find the people who share your common ideas, your common hobbies, if that is the level at which you are coming to this body, guess what? Most likely, it will also be the thing that draws you away from this body. We are here because we are the house of Jesus. And Jesus is greater. He is the one that we are to be communing with together. When we come to this body, that is what unites us. I love the emphasis in the beginning of this service on the unity, the body. That is what we are called to. You want to find good friends at Subaro Baptist Church? Get with that friend in the word it is going to build a relationship that will last for eternity. But that isn't why we do it. We don't come together just so we can have friends. We're not stirring people up just so we can have friends. We are doing it because we are called to do the work of Christ, to do love and good works. We are called to come together to consider each other to consider how we can grow in Jesus. We are to do the work also because of two things. And with this, we close. We end this passage, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, with the words, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do the work with urgency, and devotion. First Thessalonians chapter five verses eight through eleven. But since we belong to the day, those of us who are believers, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us f- for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The Hebrews that this was written to here in AD 60, it's been decades since Jesus died and rose again. And if we read in Acts, we see they came together together, and they had all things in common. They were like, whoa, that guy said that he was going to come back just the way we saw him go. He's coming. Time passes and time passes and persecution comes. And they are considering what? What's going to happen? Is this true? Should I go back to Judaism? Judaism? Should I go back into that community? Nero is really pretty creepy. He's doing crazy things. Do I want to avoid that? Is it really worth it? Jesus is coming back. He will return. We should be aware that he is going to return and will he find us faithful so we begin with hebrews chapter 1 and the writer saying jesus is greater jesus is greater than all these things i'm going to show you how he is and then we end with this same thing here in this sermon this morning that jesus is greater than your problems jesus is greater than this world Jesus is greater than those things that are trying to draw you away from him. Turn your eyes to Jesus. The reason why we are to consider one another, to consider to stir one another up to love and good works in this body of assembling together where we know each other and growing in this community... The reason why we do that is not so we can feel better about ourselves. It's not so that we can help someone else feel better about themselves. We are here because Jesus is coming back. And just as the old temple was pointing to Jesus, we are pointing to Jesus. That is why we are to consider one another to consider to grow in love and good works because the king is coming back to his outpost. When he comes, will he find you ready? Will he find you occupying? Will Jesus find you willing to do the work of building his house? Because we are a house built by Christ, we must fervently build up one another. Are you seeking to be a pebble in someone's shoe? Are you willing to find someone in this body that has a need? A need to see that Jesus is greater. And are you willing to come alongside that person and show them the love of the one who is greater? That's what we are called to. Otherwise, let's just go join a club. Let's love one another. Let's stir up each other. Let's incite each other with this passion for the one who is greater. Because he's coming back. Will he find us faithful here at Subaru Baptist Church? Father, we are thankful that this is your house. You have created us for that purpose you are our great high priest who is above all but you have made a way for us to have your salvation and then you have made a way for us to point others to you to grow together you did not take us away but you left us here you left us to be your temple in a world that needs to see that you are greater. Help us to see you for who you are. Help us to then see each other with new eyes. Let us see one another as you see us. And then let us be your hands. Let us be your mouth. Let us be those who are helping to grow your body, building up your house, fulfilling the calling of your temple on this world. Bring us together in love, one to another, love and good works. We pray these things in the name of he who is greater. Amen.